The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Oh man Yes, sir. It's all eyes on Cleveland. And I am your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos, and we are jacked to bring you a fabulous episode tonight. I know you're going to love it. Special guest, Doug Maurice of Cleveland.com and the Buckeye Talk Pod will join us. He is a fantastic guest. I have been a fan for a long time, and he does not disappoint. We'll talk 2020 Browns, Stefanski, who should call the plays, Baker Mayfield, make or break year, question mark, and my dubious thoughts on the Chubb Hunt, who gets the carries, who doesn't. Browns make the move they needed. We'll talk all about the trade after Doug is done with his interview. And can I get a deal done before week one of the podcast versus podcast fantasy league? I'm stressing it. Was our first ever audio mailbag questions? And they are pretty cool. If you haven't been to the website, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Go check it out. There it is. We're back. Full effect. All eyes on Cleveland. Mikey on the ones and twos. I'm Brad Ward. I am your host. Special guest Doug Maurice will join us very shortly with an outstanding interview. Brown's got a deal done today. We're going to break that down a little bit. Let me get some fantasy advice from you guys out there tonight. As the podcast versus podcast league approaches. Plus, we've got our first ever audio mailbag questions, and they are fantastic. But, if you are looking to get in on the action, go to Thrive Fantasy app. It's where it's at. Prop bets, baby. Prop bets. Pick your favorite prop bets. If they're more of a... uh, An underdog pick, the more points you get. Pick 5 out of 10 that you like. Score more points than your opponent. And cash money in the palm of your hand. Use the promo code EYEZ when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus. For your first deposit of $20 or more, download Thrive Fantasy at the App Store or Play Store or by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. For real, 
Try it out. It's awesome. Don't have to deal with the pros entering 150 lineups like at DraftKings and FanDuel and all the advantages they have. It's just prop bets. You like the prop bets tonight in the game? Say you like Jason Tatum for, you know, 27 and a half points. Uh, you like the over on that? You you take that prop bet. You don't like Jamal Murray to go over 40 tonight, so you don't choose that one. You pick the five you like, you kill it, you make the cash. It's Thrive Fantasy app. It's the easiest way to win in daily fantasy. Use the promo code EYES, E-Y-E-Z, as in all eyes on Cleveland. You can listen to All Eyes on Cleveland, where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all of the above. They're all there. We interview the top personalities in the Cleveland sports landscape, discussing the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Brownies. And tonight, we have a very special guest in Doug Maurice, his first appearance on the show. I am a huge fan and cannot wait to get to the interview. So without any further ado, we will get you to it. When we come back, we'll talk about the trade. We'll talk, uh, do the first ever audio mailbag edition with the new website, taking voicemails. Go ahead. Click on the icon there when you go to the website. AllEyesOnCleveland.com. Click on the icon. Leave us your take. Leave us your question. Doesn't matter what it is. Just say hi. We'll play it on the air for you. we got a couple tonight, and that should be fun. But first, Doug Maurice. Now, Doug Maurice writes for the Cleveland.com. Writes for Cleveland.com. Uh, we'd like to welcome him to the show. I noticed Doug, uh, he also does a uh, podcast, Buckeye Talk Pod. You can go check that out at Duck Buckeye Talk Pod, and it's available where all popular podcasts are found. But we noticed, Doug, that you've been talking about the Buckeyes quite a bit, so I have to ask you a question off the top. Before we get into any Browns, what is the percentage that... The Buckeyes in the Big Ten actually play football this year. John, do you think they could play before Thanksgiving? And I said 25% chance they play before Thanksgiving, that they figure something out with the testing and the presidents change their minds and there's enough of sort of a medical reason for them to change their minds. I don't think it'll only be pressure or backlash that would cause the presidents to change their vote. So I gave a 25% chance of that. And then if that doesn't happen, I think they're going to play. I, I think there's a really strong chance that they would play in January and they would try to play something like an eight-game season in January and February and maybe try to have a Rose Bowl against the Pac-12 um, in the first week in March or something like that. I, I think I would be very surprised if they end up with nothing unless there are a rash of, of cases and that you know everybody cancels. But I think... There's a there's a some kind of opening to play this fall, but I still think a pretty decent chance that they wind up with something, whether it starts at Thanksgiving or in early January. So probably not this fall, though. Probably not going to be eligible for like the final four, right? 
like I, I'm not going to say it's impossible, and I can't tell you that I have a million different inside sources on this one telling me what's going to happen. It feels like they're going pretty dark on it. I do feel like there are some people who are on the Ohio State side of things, people who cover Ohio State who seem pretty enthusiastic about the idea of starting in October. And then it feels like you know some of the national writers who I think talk to more people across the league are, are less – on the idea that that actually could happen. So I would caution anybody that if you feel like there are Ohio State writers who are giving some optimism, I just think that I'm not saying they're wrong. I think the people around Ohio State might be more optimistic about it because they're more hopeful because Ohio State's the only true national title contender in the Big Ten. This affects them the most. So they want it the most, and they're fighting hardest for it. So that's why I think they might be... Not that they're wrong, but they're probably trying to put a rosier picture on things. And meanwhile, you know, I think plenty of people at at Northwestern and Maryland and Rutgers and Purdue and Minnesota are saying, no, we're not playing this fall. You know, so I just I don't want people to get their hopes up. But I would say I don't think it's impossible that they would somehow play in October. Interesting. Makes sense, though. Does make sense. So, uh, well, I had to ask you that off the top. Sure. You know, it's a it's a topic of uh, conversation uh, with everybody. Uh, so, and I and I notice you've been uh, covering it thoroughly. So, uh, thank you very much for that. And you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with our special guest tonight, Doug Lay Maurice of Cleveland.com, host of Buckeye Talk Pod. Uh, and you can go check that out uh, at his uh, the handle for that is, on Twitter is at Buckeye talk pod um so let's start with the browns here doug uh what are your impressions of kevin stefanski so far i think every, like what everyone else's are which are just like competent like together calm sort of in a crazy time this feels like a guy that you have reasons to trust i, I will say i am a little I feel like people have forgotten a little bit that there were a decent amount of people who were kind of in on Freddie Kitchens at this point last year. (laughs) And then it didn't amount. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, like by the end, a lot of people were out on him. But, you know, like right now in early September before the season started, I think a lot of people were in on Freddie and including me. Um, And so just having gone through that and and all the times that we've gone through it in Cleveland where you have a coach and you have high expectations and it doesn't work out, I do feel like almost everything that anyone says about Kevin Stefanski is positive. I honestly – I'm not sure that I've heard someone say anything negative about him, and I don't know what the negative thing would be, and I'm not looking for negativity but again, I'm I'm trying to pull the reins back a little bit because, you know, this guy, it's not like this guy's been an offensive play caller for 10 years. This guy's never been a head coach before. He certainly seems smart and seems competent and seems poised. But I would imagine sometime in the next month, Browns fans are going to be mad at him just because yeah. everybody gets mad at their coach. I don't think they're going to go 16-0. and 0. So I don't want people to like crash and burn the first time they're like, oh my gosh, Kevin Stefanski's not perfect. And I, yeah. I honestly, maybe you've heard, maybe you would be able to point something out. Has anyone said a bad word about this guy since he got here? Not that they should, but I'm just warning you, I think maybe at some point we might. So I'm trying to be a little, pull back a little bit from where I think a lot of people are. Yeah, so I haven't heard anybody say anything bad, and he's certainly in that honeymoon phase, right, Doug? Yeah. So 
you know, no losses yet. So, you know, you're, you're good right now. Um, he does come across as the adult in the room and a more yep. mature, detailed guy than anybody else we've ever had or, or in the, in recent past. Uh, certainly Freddie and Hugh. Um, he seems to have it together a little more than they do, in my opinion. On right. The surface. Now, the one thing I, that I did hear that I would say, I don't know if it's negative or not, but it, it's something you could question is uh, the Gary Kubiak factor, right? So Gary Kubiak was the advisor right. uh, to their offense in Minnesota that just, you know, clicked last year, right? Yep. Um, and is it – I've heard some people say maybe that was Kubiak more than it was Stefanski. You know what I mean? I, I think um, it's a very reasonable thing to bring up. Yeah. So that would be the one question that I kind of have a little bit there. Uh, Which were him. similar to what we had about Freddie. You know, that if, you know Freddie had half a year as the offensive coordinator. And how much was that Freddie? How much was it somebody else before he took over as a head coach? But I almost feel like those, those eight games of Freddie that kind of got people excited. I mean, those were, you know, we saw those with our own eyes. And, and if you think... I guess if, if you think that Kevin Stefanski just is has a much better resume than Freddie Kitchens or is a much more established play caller or offensive mind, I, I, I don't know that I would 100% agree with that. I think they're in similar boats, and then we saw it didn't go very well for Freddie last year. So that's all. Just like a Correct. note of caution for yeah. people. Just a note of caution because I do think it's – the honeymoon phase i think you're right but i feel like it like it's like a honeymoon like at a five-star resort in hawaii yeah this isn't yeah. like you know this isn't the hotel the fairfield inn down the street kind of honeymoon like people really are on the honeymoon with this guy and just yeah. just you know just don't get don't get ahead of yourself a little bit i agree i agree and it's easy to do so um, especially when it doesn't really give you anything he's very likable so you know yeah yeah so I, I see where you're coming from 100%. So it's a really weird year. Let's stay on Stefanski for a second here. It's a really weird year. No offseason, no preseason games. He was going to use the preseason games to have Van Pelt call plays, uh, yet, uh, you know, uh, that goes away, right? And then, But then on Sunday it was reported that, and multiple times in practice, that Van Pelt has been the guy with the walkie-talkie who is in the helmet of Baker Mayfield, right? So, yep. you know, maybe he's calling plays. I've asked a bunch of people the same question because, I, you know, they he hasn't enlightened us on what his plan is yet. Um, do you have a preference on who you would like to see call plays? You know, I mean, it's one of those, I think you can do the research and you can find the answer to whatever you think is the right answer, right? Okay. That, that we all, we talked about this a lot last year. And again, obviously I do a lot of Ohio State stuff as well. And I made a lot of comparisons last year between Freddie Kitchens and Ryan Day as two first year head coaches, two big jobs. They were around the same age. They were both former college quarterbacks and they were both guys who got their jobs based on being offensive coordinators. And they both were going to keep calling the plays, and Freddie Kitchens got fired after one year, and Ryan Day went undefeated in the regular season and made the college football playoff. So what does that tell So they both did the same thing. They both were first-year head coaches who called the plays. One went great, and one got fired. So what does that tell you? I don't know. So, like, I can't <laughs> – I, I don't know that there is a right answer. I will say I almost think it's a stronger move to not call them. 
really? that you believe that I, I think that you believe in yourself as a CEO. You believe in yourself as I can establish what my offense is during the week. We can work collaboratively. But then on Sunday, I'm going to trust myself to have hired somebody who can execute my offense. It's my offense. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to do every nitty-gritty detail. Of course, on third and seven, if I say this is a time to take a shot at Odell, that's great. But then let Alex call the play so I can coach. So Mm -hmm. I actually kind of like it when someone has enough confidence to give it up. But it's your first shot at it. You don't know. Are you going to, you know, how many years do you have? Are you, are you willing to put that faith in someone else's hand? So I get it if Stefanski says no, especially because it's nuts. We didn't have the preseason. It's got to be me. But if he gave it up, I'd be like, all right, man, I respect that. You have enough confidence in yourself to have the confidence in Alex Van Pelt. So if it were, I guess I would rather see that, but I get it either way. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I've always kind of mixed feelings on the topic, but I always feel like – and I said the same thing about Freddie, so you're right. You know, and as you brought that up a couple times, it's very similar situations. But you, he was hired for, you know – being the play caller, running the offense. So when you come here, I expect you to do that sort of thing, right? Um, but I, I get your point too. Is more so in this in this uh, circumstance than in Freddie's. He has, I think, he has a better, a longer resume of being a coach of other positions and sticking around with an organization for a long time. So maybe he can just be. Uh, an overall general, uh, and maybe that's uh, the approach that we should take. And, and I agree; it certainly would take a, a great deal of confidence for him to do that. And I do like Alex Van Pelt, so yeah, uh, certainly. You got to hire good people and trust them. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a huge part of being a successful manager. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Doug Lay Maurice of Cleveland dot com and host of Buckeye Talk podcast. Um, Joe Mixon, Doug, uh, received a four-year, $48 million contract extension, I believe, yesterday. Uh, Nick Chubb's time is coming. Uh, he looks like uh, he uh, will be up for the dreaded running back extension uh, at the end of this year. Uh, do you feel that he is a special enough running back to give that second contract to? Is there a right or wrong answer to that? Again, I mean, like, I, it is – I will say this. I think the best thing that could happen to the Browns is that they get to the point where they are win- they're, they're such a winning franchise that Browns fans get accustomed to losing good players. And mm-hmm. that becomes the norm because that's what good teams do. Right. You have good players and you have so many of them and you develop them And then when it's time for them to be paid, you cannot keep them all. So the idea of like if they if Nick Chubb's second contract is not with the Browns, that doesn't mean the Browns have failed. It might mean that they have succeeded too much Mm -hmm. and that they're too disciplined and too smart. And I do think in the long run, you win by establishing parameters around how you're going to build a roster, where you allocate money 
How long are you going to sign guys to contracts? What positions do you value the most? I think if you set those parameters and stick to them in the long run, you will be better off. And if you, you can't make an exception to every rule. But man, doesn't everybody love Nick Chubb? So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, I, he's really easy to like, head down, works hard, n- no problems. He's never going to be an issue in the locker room. Yep. Um, but is Andrew Barry is paying a running back that money? Because if you pay him that, because really, and we all have to understand this, it's not a matter of do you want to pay Nick Chubb or not Nick Chubb. It's do you want to pay Nick Chubb or do you want to pay these other guys? Somebody so, else, yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So so you're not going to be able to keep everybody. And I, and I, you know, we I think we all when we talk about the Browns use similar examples. But I, I use Seattle all the time. When you look at their run of success here with Russell Wilson, they basically have kept Russell Wilson at quarterback and Bobby Wagner at linebacker. And almost everybody else has changed. You know, the Legion of Boom guys are long gone on that defensive side of the ball. Their skill guys have moved in and out. You know, Tyler Lockett's been there. They keep some guys a couple years. But really, if you're good, you don't often get to have seven franchise cornerstones. You know, you have like two, three, four. Yeah. So if you you paid Miles, you, want to, you, you hope Baker is good enough to pay Baker. I don't know, man. I, I just I think it could go either way. I think you probably have reason to have faith in Andrew Barry, but I guess the thing I'll say in the end is if they don't pay him and he leaves, I would not view that as a sign of uh, I wouldn't view that as a mistake by the Browns. I might view that as a, a an outcome of success. Yeah. And that one of those outcomes is not being able to keep all the guys that you love. No, I get that, and, and that's the position to do it at. You know, we see teams all over the NFL get burnt with that deal, right? That second yep. extension on the running back. So, with that in mind, okay, uh, how do you see the Browns and Kevin Stefanski splitting up the workload between Chubb and Kareem this year? Because this gets a little dicey here on how you want to do this. Because there's a couple ways you could do it, and there's advantages to doing it one way over the other. Um, he is an absolute weapon. Cream Hunt has looked fantastic so far. Uh, do you split the carries? Do you ride the hot hand? Or do you expect Chubb to get it 20 times a game like he has for most of his career? Yeah, I would I would um, focus on giving Chubb the brunt of the carries. I would be focused on trying to keep him healthy and fresh during the course of the year. And I would be focused on using a cream hunt in multiple ways, which I think is what they will end up doing. Right. Yeah. So I, I would not I would be surprised if they do. And I personally would not, you know, split the carries at running back um, because I do think, you know, if you if you give 70 percent of the carries to Chubb and 30 percent to Hunt and then you also have Hunt, you know, on half his snaps or. 60% of his snaps, he's split out wide or he's, you know, he's not working as a tailback. I think that's probably the best solution. Um, but it does take creativity and I never would have believed it. And I don't mean to reference Ohio State too much, except I've been covering them for 15 years. Yeah. I did watch Ohio State in 2015 when they had Michael Thomas and Ezekiel Elliott and Braxton Miller and Curtis Samuel and a bunch of guys. They had too much talent. 
and they got so focused on dividing up the workload fairly. Well, we got to make sure we get Braxton this many touches. Well, we got to make sure we give Ezekiel Elliott this many touches. Hmm. It threw off the offense. That yeah. was an unbelievably talented offense that did not reach its peak, I think partly because they had too many guys who deserved the ball and they focused too much on being fair. So I really don't think you can focus on being fair. You have to focus on what wins you the game. And that is very possible that that means on a Sunday or maybe even for a bunch of Sundays in a row, a really good player getting ticked off about not getting the ball enough. Yeah. But what a great problem to have. Too many offensive weapons. But I do think it, there it, there is a way where if you don't do it the right way, it can almost turn into a negative. And so I think Stefanski game to game, moment to moment, quarter to quarter, kind of has to see what's working, and he can't get too caught up in trying to keep everybody happy. I, I thought about this, okay, and tell me if you think I'm crazy, and, and it goes back to the, the contract extension thing. What if, and, and I'm kind of contradicting myself because I certainly, Doug, believe that giving the ball to a guy the majority of the time has its benefits, certainly feel for the game, feeling out the line of scrimmage, you know, uh, I think that absolutely is a factor, right? Um, So, you know, always splitting it out every other series or however you do it, I think at times can work against you. But if they were to go to a more split workload, uh, it would lower Chubb's numbers. It would lighten his load uh, that he has this year on a guy that you're potentially looking to sign to a four-year contract and negotiate with who has lesser numbers because of it. You're so, a diabolical genius. Like You, you could, are a diabolical genius, and, <laughs> and I wrong. think I buy your idea. <laughs> Do you so see my give point? more give more work to hunt who we know they're not going to be able to keep right and so he takes more of the blows he absorbs more of the punishment absolutely you split it this year you you push down chubb's value a little bit while yes. also keeping him fresher limiting his contact so when you sign him to a more manageable four-year deal you have a fresher, cheaper running back for the next four years, and and taking away some of his workload this year doesn't hurt you because Hunt's here, and Hunt's not going to be here long term. Yeah, I don't know if you should have said that out loud because Nick Chubb's <laughs> agent might be listening to this, and now the Browns might get this idea. This just is the kind thought. of thing that you should be whispering, not saying on a podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. Just a thought, though. Like, I mean, that's got to have crossed uh, Andrew Barry's mind, right? I mean, like, I, don't I mean, know. it's the great. I feel like we went through this a lot, like with Sashi and Hugh, of like, well, what does the front office want to do? Well, but the coach it doesn't matter. The coach is just trying to win every Sunday, right? And so. I don't think if you're Andrew Barry, you can tell Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski split the tailback reps because I want to drive down Chubb's value. Yep, I don't right. think you can do that. You're right. Can you? Can you kind of be like, hey, Kevin? Like, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing. And I don't know. I don't know, right? But Kevin Stefanski is trying to win, so it is very dicey. And boy. I thought it was complicated before. Now the way you have framed this, it's even more interesting and complicated, and I can't wait to see what they do. 
I yeah, love just, your thinking, though. It's diabolical, yeah, but it's smart. Angle. Yeah. Uh, I, it kind of makes sense a little bit if you wanted to do that, if you were going to do it, because Hunt's not going to be around. But uh, just a thought that crossed my mind. So, Because um, you're right. Because if Nick Chubb runs for 2,000 yards this year. You're going to have to pay him so much money that, I mean. Is it gone? Like, is there a world where they would be willing to pay that? I mean, maybe that. Maybe there's just not. I mean, yeah. The better he is, it might you might lessen the chances of him sticking around. Quite a right. pickle. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if Hunt – I mean if Hunt goes absolutely ballistic, uh, I don't know what his status is, but I don't know if he becomes an unrestricted free agent. I feel like he's a restricted free agent next year. You might even be able to get like a draft pick compensation right. back for him. Right. So who knows? Ay, ay, ay. There's a lot of layers there. A lot of layers. It is. I like yeah. layers. Layers are good, though. Yeah. So you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with our special guest, Doug Lee Maurice. Uh, he is a sports journalist at Cleveland.com. Used to write for the Plain Dealer, which is, uh, you know, my favorite read in town all the time, and uh, host of the uh, Buckeye Talk podcast, right? Um and uh, when, where can they find the Buckeye Talk podcast? Where, where all popular podcasts are available? Wherever, yes. Wherever. Hopefully, okay. uh, we've been around a long time. So, yeah, if, if you listen to podcasts, you should be able to find it. Just search Buckeye Talk. There you go. There you go. All right, let's talk about Baker. Um, do you believe it's a make-or-break year for him? So no. this is like a narrative I hear a lot, and neither do I. So go, tell me why you don't think so. Because you drafted him number one, and I think you give him four years no matter what, and the COVID wrinkle and a new head coach and the fact that he's on his umpteenth play caller. Yep. Um, I, I cannot imagine the world. I cannot imagine the world where you give up on him. I mean, it just would be crazy to me. I think that one of the built-in advantages of taking a quarterback number one is the faith that you are forced to have in him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you think about, how how many struggles Mitch Trubisky had in his three years. And, and he's in camp in year four, still fighting for the job, right? And you think about like Marcus Mariota. He still was the starter at the beginning of year four before Tannehill took over. And, and like Jameis Winston, or he was even the starter of year five. Jameis Winston got five years. All these quarterbacks who weren't, who turned out not to be franchise quarterbacks, they still got at least four years. Right. Mostly, really, at least four. And so I think the reflex flex in Cleveland, because they hadn't taken a quarterback number one since Tim Couch, and because when you take a guy in the 20s, then Brady Quinn and Brandon Whedon and Johnny Manziel and Colt McCoy and everybody else, they don't deserve that much faith because you didn't invest as much. They weren't as good. They weren't as good of a prospect. You didn't invest as much in the draft, and so you could pull the plug earlier. So there's a pull-the-plug reflex on by Browns fans and maybe by Browns media. But do you remember the quarterback jersey? Are you oh, eager yeah, to get back to that? Who yeah. wants to go back to that? Yeah, no. So the idea that's like, well, I mean, this is Cleveland. If Baker Mayfield doesn't make the Pro Bowl this year, what are you talking about? Yeah. He He's back in year four regardless because there's a built-in excuse. First-year coach, first-year play caller, COVID. He's been yanked around more than any young quarterback in recent history. You are bonkers if you think that he's not back for year four no matter what. 
you know, though, Doug, that's all I hear. I went on a national show last Saturday uh, morning uh, on a, as a uh, as a guest, right? First thing they brought up, so it's make or break year for Baker, right? And I was like, well, no, not really. Right. And, and you hear this a lot, but that's foolish thinking because you've invested that first overall pick. Um, he's had four coaches in three years, uh, if that's, you know, Right. Hard to believe that's even possible, but it, it's true. And, uh, you know, so if he goes out and has another uneven season where he's not great and he throws, you know, just as many interceptions as he does touchdowns or whatever, I'm not giving up on him because I've seen him be successful in his rookie year. Yeah. Um, I know that he has what it takes, or at least I feel strongly that he does. Um, and you, nobody's done him any, any benefits. Nobody's given him any, uh, favor, done any favors for him along the way, as far as churning, uh, over coaching staffs and regimes and playbooks and everything else. Uh, it's a, it's a off year. Like you said, you can throw COVID in there as another reason, but I would like to see him play out the full five years, you know, uh, Me too. a rookie deal. I just, I, th- I think you owe it to yourselves as an organization to do that. It's interesting. I mean, and, and people who think it's like who are you go, who are you going on to? Well, yeah, what do you, what do you want to? I mean, you what are you going to all over? I mean, unless you go one and fifteen, and you think you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, right. but like, what are you? Who are you bringing in? Right. You're in a hurry to get the Nick Foles. Yeah, oh, well, Case exactly. Keenum's here. Well, Case Keenum's been a starter for one year in his eight year NFL career. Let's move on to him. Yep. The only reason people think it's make or break is because it rhymes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I think it is short-sighted. I mean, it's – ne- whenever – I mean, the answer is no. I mean, there's not even – like, you're, you and I are correct. It's not even a debate, honestly. There's a lot of sports debates. This is factually no. It's not make or break. I agree. And you're crazy if you think it is. I agree. A lot of people think it is. A lot of people say it. I hear it on the radio. It's crazy to me. All right. Uh, I'm glad that we're on the same page there. That's good. Awesome. All right. So I did all this. uh, Oh, wait. Hold on one second here. Uh, Okay. Do you, Doug, expect better from him this year, though? I would like to. I would like to. Um, I think the even though all the COVID stuff, I think I think he'll be better with Odell. Um, I think that's important. I think he and Odell, I think Odell not playing in the preseason last year and Odell having the injury all year, I think that really did throw them off. So I think mm-hmm. that's a step. I think the the lean toward the tight end focused offense mm-hmm. will be good for him. And I also think he wasn't as bad as last year as a lot of people think he was. Um, and and I wrote about it last year. There's You can go through many, 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 many long-time successful quarterbacks and find in year two or year three, they had a bad year. It is very normal to have Tom Brady had a bad year in year two or year three. Brett Favre had a bad year too. It is very normal to sort of have like a good rookie year. The league adjusts to you and then you kind of adjust back. Right. So I don't, I, I, I think there's, I mean, there's 10 different reasons. I thought, I still think the tackles 
I thought the tackle stunk last year. That's not a revelation. But mm-hmm. I still think, and I don't know that he's admitted it, and he ever will, I think not believing in Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard seeps into your mind. And if you think Baker didn't look as comfortable in the pocket, didn't hang in and make throws, whatever, I think that's part of it. And all of a sudden you have the, a first-round pick and a, and a big-time free agent at tackle. I think that helps. So I think there's 10 different things that will help Baker Mayfield. So I do expect him to be better. My favorite thing that you said there, and I expect him to be better too, because A, I think this offense lends itself to him, you know, moving the pocket, getting him out on the boot, you know, stuff stuff like that is going to help him. And and, uh, all the play action certainly will help him because that's notably statistically where he's the best. Um, But uh, that you didn't think he was that bad last year because, and I agree, because – the numbers say one thing, and certainly at times he was inaccurate, and certainly at times he threw the ball 170 miles an hour in the flat when he didn't need to, right? But uh, he still would flip the field. He still was a game-changing playmaker. Like, he would make a play that would flip the field, get you down in scoring position, any play like he still had that ability to do that and he still struck on a lot of those plays so um just seeing that in his game made me feel like it would you know not that it was okay that they were had all that expectations and were losing but I felt better about it when I watched it through the second time like it it, you Mm -hmm. know I felt much better about it because he really did. He's a, was a playmaker. He was a playmaker all year, and at times he made mistakes and bad mistakes that hurt his team. But he certainly was a playmaker still. I still think that the the number one defining play of last season is, is Antonio Callaway turning a goal line touchdown into a goal line interception. Yes, and it's like you think about that. It's like Antonio yep. Callaway. We fought ever thought that was an answer that's who the ball is going to in a game that matters on the goal line are you kidding me oh my god that's like how as for all the talent and all the expectations of last year that was a real thing that happened last year yeah and it's like you know i mean you just there's enough demetrius harris all the times they were trying to throw to demetrius harris in the red zone it's like i can't i can't hold too much of that against baker yeah no i agree not great not great decision making, and then, you know, what role Todd Munkin played in everything. I don't think we'll ever really know, but I think it, it certainly was too much of a role, and I, I don't really even know what happened there. You know, yeah, know the stories now about you know the ten scripted plays, and then completely bailing on a on a uh, game plan you've been working on all week, and so not ideal situation for a quarterback to be successful, um, right. And uh, yeah. I think a very important point, one of the most important points, an overmatched, unqualified quarterbacks coach. That was Freddie's friend. Yes. That was a yeah. huge mistake, and that has been rectified. I think that is that is super high on my list. And, and, and again, I'm, I was never as down on Freddie as a lot of people were. I think the idea that Freddie entrusted the franchise quarterback to Ryan Lindley, his friend, who had never done that job before, was malpractice. I agree. It, they they basically created like a uh, a posse on the offensive side of the ball, right? They yeah. they all just were buddy buddy and and uh, it was real comfortable and everything, but it didn't work out. So right, um, 
You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Doug Lay Maurice of Cleveland.com and the Buckeye Talk podcast. Uh, Doug, I did all this work uh, on on my last show on Tuesday and, and went through all these cut bubble guys that I thought had connections to the Browns and everything. Well, they made a trade today, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother listening to the last half hour of last show. Um, but anyways. So they trade a fifth-round pick, and they get uh, Ronnie Harrison, third-year guy from Alabama. Do you remember him at Alabama? I don't. Alabama has so many future NFL guys on defense that I can't keep track of them. Yeah, I don't either, actually. Uh, But he's 6'3", 214, started 14 games last year. He was scheduled to be their starter this year, uh, but they're going into complete tank mode. Um, You know... He's better in coverage than he is versus the run, is the book on him. He's got a lot of upside, though, and it's a real low risk. Fifth-round pick, right? You like this trade? Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those, and I and I, I think Browns fans are going to have to get used to this, too, which is, again, I just I love the roster-building part of the NFL and how you allocate resources. But yeah. when if they get good, really, if they get good, you have to realize that from year to year, the starting linebacker or starting safety is going to be random veteran that Andrew Barry signs to a one-year deal, right? It's not You're not going to have necessarily like you can't have all guys that you love and know forever. And so you have to trust Andrew Barry that there's going to be, I think, four, five, three, you know, starting spots a year that are just going to be him trying to find – a reasonable value from a guy who's a solid player because yep. you're paying Denzel and Miles and Baker and Odell and everybody else. So I think this fits that. And I think it feels like even better than anything they did in the offseason at safety. And I do think it really felt like we were all getting the sense, you know, as they practiced of how much they were really relying on Grant Delpit. That, okay, this guy's a rookie. He, he had been a big-time player the year before, slipped a little bit then in the draft because he didn't have a great last year at LSU. But, boy, it felt like they were – he was a, a kind of a fulcrum of the defense and what they wanted to do. And that's a, that's a huge loss. But if you're going to be good, you have to overcome it. So I think this is the exact right kind of thing. It's not about Ronnie Harrison or Dude X, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Guy X who's a starter who's available. It's about do you believe in the GM to go fix a hole, to go fill a hole, and not give up too much and have the cap space to be able to do it and everything. And it feels like Ronnie Harrison is not only an answer for this year, but also for down the line. And so I think, I think there's, I don't know what you wouldn't like about this move. Yeah, totally agree. Really like it a lot. I wanted Logan Ryan wrote a piece about it. Uh, thought that he was a guy that could have, you know, had the versatility to maybe do what Delpit did. Uh, I, I didn't want to touch Earl Thomas with a 10-foot pole, keep him out of here, right? You know, yep. you know, you just don't have the infrastructure to handle that. And and, and so I like this move, though, because I agree with you. It's not just short-term. It does play out over a couple years. He's still on a rookie deal. It's cost-controlled. He can play right away. They want to play with three safeties, and he allows you to do that now because yep. – Without having, you know, have to put Sheldrick Redwine on the field, which is something I wasn't real too crazy about. Um, so, uh, looking at this defense, Doug, uh, good front four, 
Linebackers are young, inexperienced. They're going to force Jacob Phillips, another rookie, into playing. Does look like they may get Mac Wilson back at some point uh, now, which is is good. Uh, the slot corner spot is right now occupied by a guy who's too slow and too short to really cover, and MJ Stewart. But Kevin Johnson is coming back eventually. Uh, what do you expect from this defense? I I think they are invested in the places where it's smartest to be invested, right? I mean, I've, I want pass rushers and I want cover corners. So yeah. I think I think Greedy Williams having a good year is like really, really important for them because you feel like I think everyone feels like Denzel Ward in year three might be set up to have like, a, you know, a really good year, kind of maybe get back to his rookie year form. So yeah. Um, I think the number one thing that I've been I've talked about the most this offseason is like, what do you think of the linebackers? And I keep saying, I don't care. Like, you can't be good everywhere. And last mm-hmm. year we were wondering about it's like, well, they have this and they have this and they have this. And it's like, eh, I don't know about the offensive line. I hope the offensive line doesn't kill them. And the offensive line killed them. So I'd rather spend the money on Jack Conklin. I mean, honestly, everybody loved Joe Schobert. If the choice, and I don't know that it was a choice exactly, but if the choice is spend money on Joe Schobert or spend money on Jack Conklin, I mean, positionally, there's no there's no debate. No question. Like, give me the tackle, and and let's see if we can get by. So this is one of those again. I mean, this is why you'd love to to have some stability with the, the decision makers. But you know, John Dorsey took Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki in those middle rounds, and it's not unusual to to expect a couple of those. You know, third and fifth round linebackers. Now Jalen Phillips, third round linebacker. It's not like those aren't nothing. You know, they're no, they're cheap, no. but that's yeah. draft capital. I mean, it's like, well, so I don't think you should have to go out and spend a gazillion dollars on veteran linebackers. You have to be able to have some of your mid-round picks turn into cheap starters for a couple years. And so I think we'll find that out. And I think, you know, fingers crossed, if if you get one or two guys who can play between Taki Taki Wilson and Phillips, and then you grab a couple other veterans and fill in, I think you're okay at linebacker, but I'm going to, I'm going to, have my defense centered around Olivier Vernon, Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson getting after the passer, and having Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams hopefully lock guys down in the secondary. Yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, and it's kind of it's a trend too. The linebacker is fast becoming the running back of the uh, defensive side of the ball in the NFL. Yep. Um, so it, it it makes sense, and and you really you want young athletic guys, right? Uh, on you know early deals that are cost controlled like we talked about and that's what they have and I think yeah. I think Mac Wilson can be a star but um you know we'll see how that plays out certainly uh you like what he brings to the table athletically and as far as coverage goes Taki Taki had a pretty good camp so I these guys are forced into action but hey I think that's kind of what we wanted right so we'll see what yeah. happens there uh, and, and, and I don't even know that it is forced. I mean, it's it's. Pl- I think it's planned into action. It, it was honestly yeah, this year, right? Yep. I mean, they, they, you know, if if Andrew Barry had been here a year earlier and he could have gotten Schobert done ahead of time, so he didn't get the free agency. I mean, they, you know, Andrew Barry said that enough times, which and they've shown it with with like the Miles Garrett contract. We want to get our guys signed before they get to that point. So maybe they would have found a way to to have Schobert stick around. But also, I mean, I think again, I think the ideal world for this is, I mean. What I mean, Joe Schobert was here for four years, was like a borderline Pro Bowl guy, and then when he got expensive, they let him go. I mean, that's if that's what Taki Taki or Wilson or Phillips, if one of those guys can follow that path, 
be a pro bowler while you're young and cheap for a couple of years and then leave like that's that's his version of success at that position, which isn't where you want to spend a ton of money. Absolutely. You're right. Nailed it. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right, uh, Doug, last question here for you tonight. You've been fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, what is your biggest concern with this team? It's one of those things. Uh, um, I always tell people, like, don't let the past drag you down. Because, honestly, the, the, the history of misery with the Cleveland Browns has nothing to do with Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett and all these guys. Um, yep. But I, I guess it's just the, the, the whole being as good as the parts. Because I think you still – go through it and i'm not that you know i think they'll be okay at safety i think they'll be okay at linebacker everybody else on everywhere else on defense they're they're invested i think the offensive line will be better their their skill guys are as good as almost any team in the league and i think baker's going to be better so i look at that and i think they're good they're going to be good Mm -hmm. they're going to be good but will it happen right so i do think being new, I mean, in the in the in a COVID season, I think having continuity and having the same coaches and same players back is an advantage. And so the Browns don't have that advantage. I think they might get off to a slow start um, mm-hmm. as a result of that. But I think just my worry is it would be just like, man, could it still be that for for whatever reason they're just not as good as their individual players are, which is so far removed from where we were with the Browns two, three, four years ago. When it felt like they didn't have any good players. It's like you start going around position by position. They have good players. Yes. When are they going to be a good team? Yeah. And so I feel like the answer is now. But mm-hmm. how can you be sure? I can't be sure of that, right? The history pulls us back from that a little bit. It but does. I don't have like a specific worry. It's just more like, man, what could be the random thing that keeps this team from winning nine or ten games? No, you're absolutely right. It's that it's it's that stigma, and it's kind of like that. Oh, here we go again, right? It's, yeah, it's that whole thing. And that I hate kind that. Of I hate floating it. over Berea, right? It just kind right. of hangs over Berea, and somebody's got to bust through it at some point. So, right, now, this year's as good as year. Any, I agree with you. The the COVID thing is certainly a disadvantage. I mean, they just finished their installs last week. I mean, right? <laughs> it's crazy, right? But still, uh, it's still though you've got an incredible run game. Just just lean on that at the beginning, you know. Yeah, and and I still I can't and I I know it's like one of these things. We all watch the same stuff. We all analyze it the same way. So I don't I, I don't think people have forgotten this at all. But it's like as bad as things were last year, they were kind of right there still, still in it. Oh yeah. Before Garrett got suspended, they were. And then you lose him, and it's the emotion of that game. That that should have been a game where it's all positive. You beat the Steelers, and now that pushes you forward emotionally. And, by the way, he might be your best player. And then all of a sudden, what should have been a high turns into this big, weird quagmire. So you can't just celebrate that win. Then, by the way, you're taking him off the field for the last six games, and then everything gets sideways. And I just, I think about that a lot that give me, let that game end normally and tell me how the rest of the season goes with Miles Garrett on the field and just without that that emotional drain of Freddie having to deal with that and Baker having to answer for it. And everybody's like, oh, just awful. And so 
maybe that's all it was. It's like, just try to avoid your best player getting suspended for six games and you'll be fine. Maybe that's it. Because yeah. there just were as, as much talent as they had when you really look back. There were, and it's not just Freddie. Freddie did screw it up. But there were enough other weird things. It turns out Odell's not healthy. You know, mm-hmm. um, um, Miles gets suspended, right? Yeah. The, the, the young corners like have these weird, like soft tissue injuries and are out early in the year. And it's like, what's up with that? Maybe part of that's on Freddie. But and injuries are part of the game, but it just also felt like. There were a lot, you know, Vernon misses games here and there. And how often were Vernon and Garrett really on the field together wreaking havoc? And it's just there were enough things that uh, uh, kind of a lot went wrong last year. And so if they can just avoid that, I really do think they have talent. No, it definitely did. And it snowballed on them. And and when they started, because the back half of that schedule was real light, real easy. And we said that from the beginning. And when they got to that Pittsburgh game, that was the one that, like, you really felt – like that win was huge and the momentum and, and they killed their own momentum. They stopped it right in its tracks after yep. the game because it became a somber event that you had to apologize for. Right. Uh, I mean, how just just uh, terrible. You're absolutely yeah. right. Great stuff, Doug. You uh, were fantastic tonight. I can't thank you enough for joining the show. I want to send you an All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirt. So I'm going to get your uh, size and uh, address off the air, uh, and we'll send you one of those, okay? Uh, I appreciate and, uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. You were you were great. I've enjoyed talking to you, and uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Any any parting words? No. I had a really good time. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been writing about the Browns all that much lately because there have been so much craziness with the Big Ten. But I'm starting next week to preview the season, and then I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot more Brown stuff. So um, I'm eager to get back into them, and uh, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful for a good season for these fans that, that certainly de- deserve it so much. But I just I keep – I told everybody last year, don't be afraid to have hope, and then it blew up in your face. But I would say <laughs> don't be afraid to have hope. They have right. good players. They yeah. just need a little bit of luck, a little bit of momentum – and I would say I definitely think there's a possible there's a there's a season out there for the Browns. It's like a non-playoff season that still gives people a lot of hope for the future. That maybe yep. there's a slow start, maybe they dig themselves a hole because they're not they don't have continuity because of the COVID situation. But by the end of the year, they have a strong second half. Baker looks good. Miles looks good. Denzel looks good. Stefanski looks like the guy. Andrew Barry looks like the guy. And, and maybe it's not this year, but maybe it just propels people. And you can't always wait till next year. But I, I think this might be the beginning of something good for the Browns long term, even if this season, because of all the nutsy stuff, maybe this season isn't as good as it could have been. But maybe it is the start of, of something here for the next five or six years that people can really hang on to. Yeah, that jumping off point. He is uh, Doug Maurice, sports journalist at Cleveland.com. As he mentioned, uh, you can catch his uh, coverage of the Buckeyes and and soon here the Browns also. Also go uh, listen to Buckeye Talk podcast uh, anywhere uh, your popular podcasts are found. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Maurice, and you can follow the podcast at Buckeye Talk Pod. It's been a pleasure, Doug. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a good time. Thanks for having me. All right.
How good was that? Doug Maurice of Cleveland.com joining us tonight to talk Browns. He was amazing. Great stuff. Great conversation. Covered everything that we needed to cover. Terrific interview. I really hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, it was good. That was that was good, Mikey. That was good stuff. Doug is Doug is great. That was fantastic. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Doug Lay Maurice of Cleveland.com. Um, and we're just going to hit a couple things here and get you out of here. So first and foremost, uh, to give you a little bit of uh, point of view on this, this Thursday, tonight, would be the final night of the preseason. So everybody would be playing tonight in their final preseason game, if there were preseason games. Um, And then a week from tonight, the NFL starts. Kansas City and Tennessee, pardon me, Tennessee, Kansas City and the Texans. Should be fans in the stands. Should be good. Football will be back a week from tonight. But I thought that was interesting that tonight is the night that everybody would have played on Thursday. The whole slate, everybody played tonight. Uh, If there were preseason games, there are not. So the Browns instead, in lieu of that, are going to go over to the stadium again tomorrow. Uh, and per Kevin Stefanski's presser, they will be doing a dress rehearsal of sorts. Um, when asked to elaborate a little bit more, he said, we're going to get coaches up in the box. We're going to do headsets. Uh, we're going to have a crisp, short practice. We're going to go through stuff like pregame warm-ups, all that stuff that they, that you haven't covered yet. It's a dress rehearsal for your game day stuff. And then uh, that's that. And then they'll be into Ravens week, uh, which I know they already started working on this week. So cool stuff there. Uh, the big news of the day, though, the trade. The trade. All that work I did last show, giving you all those names, kind of uh, moot at this point because the Browns take a fifth-round pick in 2021 and they acquire safety Ronnie Harrison um, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a good trade. Uh, This is not the type of guy you get in trades very often, but Jacksonville is in a weird position. He was originally a third-round draft pick. He started 14 games last year. He started 22 in his career. He is uh, only in his third year, like I said, so he's cost-controlled. He has some experience, and he's got some major upside uh, to him. He's a better coverage player 
than he is against the run. So a little more of a free type guy, but uh, also can play in the box and play in the slot. So he may fill that Viper type role that that um, Delpit was gonna fill. So what that does though is he gives the team four safeties. I expect him to be in right away. Be a starting safety, Ronnie Harrison. Uh, should be a starting safety right away. Let's go over a little bit of stuff on Ronnie real quick here. Uh, the newest Cleveland Brown. I like this move a lot. Uh, we knew they needed safety help, and uh, Andrew Barry uh, delivers with the safety help in, in a big way. Uh, so um, let's see here. What do we got? Uh, yeah, so he went to Alabama. Interestingly enough, uh, he played, uh, at Alabama with, uh, Mac Wilson and Jedrick Wills. Um, and, uh, both Harrison, our newly acquired safety, and Wilson were starters during the Crimson Tide's run to, uh, run through the college playoff, which ended, uh, in a title win over Georgia. So they won a national title together. Uh, other uh, players on that team, Minka Fitzpatrick, Eddie Jackson, a lot of good ball players on that Alabama team. Uh, so interesting. Um, Harrison is among the 19 defensive backs drafted from Alabama since 2010. Wow. Uh, what else we got on him? He began his career, and this will tell you a little bit about his position, began his career in Jacksonville. He was slotted as a nickel safety or big nickel, as it's often called, another name for kind of that Viper position uh, in the Jaguars' defense. He was moved into the starting role at strong safety when Jacksonville demoted uh, Barry Church. In his first start, Harrison collected a key sack. Um, to help send Jacksonville to a 6 nothing victory over the Colts. Harrison remained strong safety throughout his second season uh, when he started all 14 of the games in which he appeared. So they liked him a lot. Good player. And um, can help the Browns, I think, immediately fill that void at the safety position left by Grant Delpit. Um, let's see. Mm-hmm. 71 tackles, two interceptions, three sacks in his time with the Jaguars. Um, Veterans Andrew, uh, Uncle Drew, and Carl Joseph. um, We'll be back there with him. Uh, the opportunities are there for Harrison to make an impact, certainly with their three uh, safety sets that we heard uh, Joe Woods want to talk about a lot, about using. What that does is that um, it allows for two linebackers on the field, sometimes even less if you want to go more sub-package, but uh, it... it um, it's a good thing to have this guy, a guy that has played that position, that uh, big nickel position. Um, so 
he is more of a strong safety, I, I guess, then. Uh, but a great ad. Uh, Going to play that role that Delpit played. And uh, Ronnie Harrison from Jacksonville. Not As I said, not often you get guys in their rookie deal. Uh, third round pick value. Gave up a fifth to get him. Um and he's and it's not like he hasn't played well or anything. He's played great. He started for him, uh, but it's just that Jacksonville is in a weird spot right now where they're unloading some people, and uh, as they're going to tank, it seems like. And this is great for the Browns. They take advantage of that opportunity, give up a fifth for a guy who was taken in the third, who looks like he's living up to his abilities. Starting still tons of upside. Uh, cost controlled uh, for another year, uh, so really good, uh, good stuff here. Well, another two years, cost controlled for another two years on his rookie deal. So great stuff, great job by Andrew Barry. I love this signing, and should help the Browns a ton. Talked about the stadium tomorrow. Uh, we talked about uh, the trade. Um, now, we are going to do the very first edition of the audio mailbag. So, uh, as I mentioned, you can go to the brand spanking new website. Yes, it is amazing. Uh, and you can... Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Oh, beautiful. You can go to the uh, new website. It's, it's, it's glorious. It's beautiful. And... Um, you can click on the icon at the bottom that uh, looks like a microphone and leave a 45-second voicemail, leave your Browns take, leave your Browns questions. We will play them on the air. We got two this week. Ivan is the first one, and better known as Hellhound on Twitter. Loyal listener from overseas. He left us 16 seconds on the voicemail. Here it is. Hey, let's bark, dog the walk. This is Hellhound. My question is, should we be concerned about our free safety and strong safety depth? Thank you. Obviously, this was sent in before the trade uh, today. So, uh, you know, of course, that depth has been addressed. Uh, absolutely, Hellhound, we should have been concerned with it. I don't want red wine to really have to be on the field as I trust him about as far as I could pun him. But, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, a good question from you. It's a hot topic here on the show. Let's listen to that again. That's just so enjoyable to hear, uh, your wonderful voice, grace the airwaves, hellhound. You are, you are a, uh, a man, uh, amongst, uh, uh, peasants in my, in my book. Hey, let's bark, dog the walk. This is Hellhound. My question is, should we be concerned about our free safety and strong safety depth? Thank you. Excellent stuff, sir. You are the man. You are the man. Hellhound, checking in from across the seas. Beautiful. Great job. Our next... uh, uh, audio voicemail mailbag comes from Michael 
Smith, another friend of show. Let's listen to this one. Brad, this is Michael Smith. Wanted to know, what do we expect out of Baker Mayfield this year? There it is, Michael Smith uh, on the voicemail at the website. One more time as he just comes out with the Brad. What do we expect from Baker this year? Here he is again. Brad, this is Michael Smith. Wanted to know, what do we expect out of Baker Mayfield this year? Well, sir, first of all, thank you for contributing in such a solid manner with this uh, audio uh, question, mailbag question, Michael. You are the man as well. Um, What do we expect from Baker this year? I expect much better. Get him out of the pocket. Move the pocket, get him out on the boot, lots of play action. I love it. Uh, I think that uh, the offense will play right into his uh, um, wheelhouse, right into his strengths. I expect over 4,000 yards. I expect, uh, you know, not such an uneven season. I expect 25-plus touchdowns, hoping for 30 or more. Um, and I expect, um, I expect him to, uh, be under 15 interceptions. That's what I expect. Uh, and, and with that would come a nice winning season. So, uh, there you have it, Michael. And I appreciate your contribution to the show tonight. Uh, so in our podcast versus podcast, uh, fantasy league, I've been trying to wheel and deal. I got stuck with. Uh, in a bad spot here because of freaking the Jaguars who helped out the Browns. I can't really complain. But I got Chris Thompson, who I picked up off waivers when it sounded like Fournette was out the door. So Thompson, I'm hoping, gets the lion's share of the carries there. But at the same time, he gets sent to Tampa Bay, and guess who I have? Uh, In Tampa Bay, Ronald Jones, who is slated for a definite uh, load of uh, carries there in Tampa Bay with Brady and company. And now they have Fournette. So what to do, what to do. I took to the trade market. None of of the other podcasts in town were willing to do business with me. Now, was I being a little aggressive? Maybe I was uh, trying to land Josh Jacobs and other things like that. I'm concerned a little bit, as I do carry Nick Chubb on my roster, about his timeshare. Uh, as Doug Lee Maurice uh, called it a dubious plan that I brought up uh, about splitting up his, his uh, carries. Between him and uh, Kareem Hunt to keep his, kind of curb his value uh, numbers-wise and protect him in the long term physically. So, uh, I thought it was hilarious. He did call me a, a, a dubious a dubious mind or, or something like oh, that. Oh, man! So, uh, thank you for that, uh, Doug, but... 
Uh, I, I'm concerned about him as his carries, honestly, in his touches with Hunt there. So I'm willing to deal Chubb uh, to these guys. I tried to even unload Stefan Diggs. Uh, I had a deal in the works uh, with Shane Carter from Demboy's podcast, uh, who has been on here before with me uh, for... Uh, I was going to get Devontae Parker and Josh Jacobs for Chubb and Diggs. I think that's a pretty good freaking deal. But uh, nobody, nobody, everybody wants to see what they have first. So I'm dealing with a couple of guys that I don't really know what they're going to provide as far as, uh, you know, Chris Thompson in Jacksonville. You know, he's more of a pass catcher. Are they going to give him all the, 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 the ball? Just turn around and hand it to him a lot? I don't know. We don't know yet. Uh, and then is Ronald Jones still going to be the number one in Tampa Bay? I doubt it. Even if he is, he's going to lose a lot of value uh, because of Leonard Fournette. So here's my team, FYI. If you obviously are listening to the show, you're cheering for the All Eyes on Cleveland podcast in this podcast for Podcast League. So here, here's the squad. Russell Wilson, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, DJ Moore, Stefan Diggs, Hunter Henry, the flex I even have right now, either Thompson or Jones, but we'll go through the bench too. Uh, and then I have Justin uh, Tucker as a kicker, best kicker in the game, and I have the Steelers defense. So pretty good squad right there. Uh, but they're messing with me a little bit here with this Ronald Jones, Fournette stuff. I don't know what to do with the flex. I've got Stafford on the bench. So I've got Wilson and Stafford, a quarterback, pretty good. I've got Rashad Penny there. Uh, Justin Jefferson, rookie from LSU at Minnesota. I like his upside. He could slide into that flex spot. And then I went on the waiver wire today because I neglected to do it on draft night. And uh, Jackson McCurry pointed it out to me, if you listen to the live draft, that I didn't double up with the quarterback wide receiver tandem, which is a popular thing to do. Well, guess what? Josh Gordon, unsuspended again. Gonna get reinstated. Signs with the Seahawks again. Who gets him? I do. I go out, grab Josh Gordon. I'm hoping that Josh Gordon-Russell Wilson connection will be the one that takes me home, uh, and I can slide him into that slot spot. I also carry Hunter Renfro, who is uh, looking for a uh, big year, I'm sure, himself. Did a nice job last year out of the slot in Las Vegas. There's the team you need to root for. I'm trying to wheel and deal, unload one of these backs, maybe get some value back. Um, not opposed to moving Chubb at this point. Not anything against him. The Browns, you know I love them, but worried about his timeshare with Hunt. Uh, I would rather go to somebody else. So there's the fantasy breakdown on the podcast versus podcast league. I will be taking on the Browns wire in week one. Uh, week one, just around the corner, 10 days, Browns versus Ravens. You start getting excited. It's time. I know you love Doug Lehman-Reese. We're going to have him back on. He was a great interview. Uh, Browns, great trade today. All in all, just a really good day for the show. The Browns, uh, it's perfect, beautiful thing. Uh, we're going to get up out of here tonight. 
and uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. It, it was it was a thing of beauty. Doug was great. I just can't say it enough. Doug Maurice, amazing. Huge thanks to him for coming on the show. And uh, great job, Andrew Barry, landing us a safety, keeping Sheldrick Redwine in the barn for the time being. For lack of a better term, I would on the on the bench. We'll say, want to protect him a little. I don't think he's ready yet. And uh, you get a third round draft pick for a fifth round pick next year. A guy that started 22 games who can play the big nickel like Delpit was gonna. Beautiful. Great job, Andrew Barry. Uh, feel much better about that position for the Browns after today. Feel really good about the show tonight. I know you guys enjoyed it. We are going to get out of here. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I'm Brad Ward. We are out.